This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I've got a chat with Eric Mees from The Ementor to share with you. Now, the catalyst for our introduction is due to the launch of a new EP from the band called Plague of Locusts. It's a majority covers affair, and you'll hear all of the bangers that they've decided to have a go at throughout the chat. Elsewhere, we talk about their memorable shows with Emperor, which occurred only recently, and another band from which the Ementor has evolved from, Crucible of Agony. It turns out Eric and I, well, we've met at least once before. I bought a cassette from him back in the day, so you'll hear that story too. Before we dive into the chat, let's hear a tune. I've picked the title track, Plague of Locusts. Once it's done, we'll dive into the discussion. Let's go. Wreck. 
been enjoying this track, Plague of Locusts, but I enjoy you guys as a band too. I saw you guys play with Emperor. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Which show? Yeah, magnificent show, and it's been captured beautifully, if that's the right expression <laughs> for an extreme metal <laughs> band. But uh, Ego Ergo Sum there, that video, I, I think it captures what you guys are all about. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. So you saw that come online over the weekend and, and, had, and checked it out? Yeah, yeah, I think I've subscribed to you guys, but either way, I checked it uh, I, yesterday or it was yesterday. I was, I, I'm a museum myself, so I was at a gig and I thought I'd better go and see what's been going on on your YouTube page. And there it was. And uh, I know from some background reading I've done, Googling, in other words, I've done, you're an audio engineer. So I knew to have some pristine sound quality, but it's it's definitely got, it's next level, I've got to say. Oh, cool. you've been able to capture that. Oh, look, I can't really um, lay claim to that. That's actually our front of house guy, Ian. Um, that's just the desk mix, actually. That's so it, Ian just kind of tweaked it up a bit. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. So um, I know Ian. Yeah, I know so, Ian well. Yeah, well, no, no wonder, in other words. Then. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're, we're lucky. He did a yeah great job, that whole run of shows, so which is really good. Yeah, I, he's, done, he, he's done just about anybody and everybody that comes through town. Oh, sorry, I just caught up with him at I Am Morbid, you know, the David Vincent thing. Yeah, cool. Oh, you're up in Brizzy, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, so. Ah, cool. Yeah, how was the, what was the Emperor experience like? Yeah, unreal. Um, really friendly guys. Like, it was such a professional sort of operation, kind of just sort of standing back and watching that roll in every day. Um, it was pretty amazing. Uh, but, yeah, it was really smooth. Uh, there was, you know, as important as they are as a band and, you know, they're, you know, you know, one of the, I guess, you know, most iconic black metal bands there are. They were very down to earth, super professional. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing for us to, you know, get to open for them for a few shows. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I've had a number of interactions with Ishan, but zero with Samoth. And I actually hit Dicey up before him and said, do you reckon, reckon we could swing an interview with him? And he said, because he knows him, of course. And he said, no, it's not going to happen. I, he, he did ask, though. He's, he did, a, did me a solid there, but did you have much interactions with him? Look, um, only at the end to say, you know, look, hey, thanks for having us on board. And, um, you know, we had a great time and this sort of stuff on the way out. Uh, I guess, you know, he was probably uh, one of the quieter dudes in the in the touring party, but, um, you know, certainly friendly and, and whatever. So, yeah, well, yeah, I guess most of the time we were chatting with uh, Sec Damon or Tony, um, the bass player, mm. and... Um, yeah, Isan was was around as well. So and and Trim and you know they were all pretty pretty affable guys and you know, pretty funny. So no, it was great. Yeah, tremendous double bill that one there. It was probably the show oh, of the cool. year so far. I've got to say. You caught the one at um, in Brisbane, of course. Yeah, at Eaton's Hill. Yeah. 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 What a venue. Yeah, it's it's a mile from everywhere though. It's yeah. Once you're there, the one thing was- yeah. Once you're there, it's okay. But I'm. I'm on the north side of the Gold Coast, you see. So that's a I, – I, I wanted to have a few bevies. And the yeah, Uber right. fare back was the most expensive of – I think it was about 200 bucks or something like that. I mean, it would have been easier uh-huh. to – Yeah, because I thought, you know what, I go to the shows because I review them or what have you anyway, so I'm not paying for the ticket. And I always buy merch because it's the way I contribute and then I can wear them on the show and stuff. And it's nice to have a nice collection of these things anyway. And, and what you know, the bit of an artifact of the thing. I went to that show, look at this, but yeah, totally. I'll have a few bevies, and I didn't have that many. The irony is, I could have driven back, I had like two, two or three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I got the Uber, and I think the, the, the fellow who got the 
got the fare was was just thrilled that he was taking someone that far and i just thought bloody hell but sorry it was just the the venue yeah the venue itself is it lends itself to a great sound with those high ceilings and almost baroque atmosphere yeah Yeah, no it's really good but i actually noticed i saw that you know smashing pumpkins played there and you know all sorts of like bigger bands so i was like okay so but yeah i did think it was fairly out of town but you know my brisbane geography is not amazing yeah, we've got an issue with that here. Mansfield Taverns in the suburbs, deep in the suburbs. You've got the Eaton Hill we just spoke about there. There's a couple of venues in, in the city, uh, in the valley, I should say, but uh, there are <laughs> my views on one or two of them. They're not the greatest. Yeah, it's, right. uh, it's just, yeah, I grew up in, when you go into the arena and places like that, which is trying to think what it's similar to uh, Selena's, maybe maybe similar to Selena's oh, wow. in Sydney. Yeah. Which is which I've got to say is one of the best venues in the country. Certainly, my, my recollections. I saw Cradle of Filth there back in the day. Yeah, same. I was at that show actually. I signed up for an underage license, did a scam with a friend, and managed to get in because I was probably underage. And uh, yeah, that was probably one of my first big metal shows. Then at a Morbid Angel, I think they did an underage show and Cannibal Corpse. Mm. But yeah, around that time. So, but I think Selena's now is. I don't know if it's still a venue. No idea. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I could I couldn't. Given the gentrification that goes on in places like Sydney, I couldn't imagine it would be. Oh, it's mad. Yeah, yeah. It's probably changed pretty rapidly. <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, what are your recollections of that? That you're one of the few people that were there. Oh so what, yeah. What are your sure. recollections? Yeah. I remember it being pretty well attended, but um, man, it was. Oh, I thought it was one of the best gigs. You know, still. Um, you know, we had. Well, I was on the bill. Like there was some. Killing God, there was basically most of the Warhead records roster. It was, oh, well, maybe not, but there was Killing God, there was Lord Chaos, which is, yeah. they were amazing that night too. Uh, but that was a full band lineup. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Segression. Yeah. So that no, was, it was cool. And I actually thought Cradle were great. That was, you know, a great era of, of the band too um, for that yeah. night. So no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was certainly in hindsight. It was one of those moments. It was it was to see Nick Barker, Les Smith, and yeah. Stuart Ansis on stage together. That was there's only two shows they did in Australia, if I'm not mistaken, and that was your one of your opportunities to see it. And that lineup, all things considered, wasn't together for that long. But it, it's really yeah. from where the band has managed to uh, become a bit of a colossal colossus, if you like. You know, when they build up all of the momentum that they still enjoy to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, as I was saying to you on email, I really enjoyed the series that you've done on the band too, you know, that, around that era. That's been really good. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I appreciate the feedback. I, I, I've said it before, but I get more messages in particular about the chats with Stuart and like prominent people from other bands and stuff that have listened to it and have gotten in touch with me and uh, shared with me how much they enjoy it and I claim no credit for it. It's all Stuart. It's all just him. First time anybody had reached out to him in a journalistic style capacity. I wasn't quite a journalist at that point. That had came a bit later for me. Yeah. But it was the first time anybody was curious enough to get him on record and he just, as you heard, shared everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was four no, hours. Bad, which was yeah, really great. Yeah. With you guys though, okay, so you got the plague of Plague of Locusts, it's the name of both the EP and the new track. So the new track, sure. a question around that, does that hint at the direction you're going to be taking songwriting from here on? Oh, look, I don't think so. Look, I think at the time it's kind of just one of those tracks we there was just kind of around and in the air. We just kind of got it together and, you know, uh, the whole release 
itself is kind of like a nod to, you know, it's funny we talk about the cradle thing. It's kind of like a nod to the 90s or, you know, in the early 2000s when, you know, we were really being influenced by, I guess, a lot of the bands just as, you know, we're in that that age where you're, you know, consuming everything and you're, you know, I kind of, I think back, you must have been around to the Hammer House days, you know, in Parramatta where absolutely that record yeah. shop was, you know, like um, we were there a lot, you know, and I hope, um, you know, if Brad Sims ever hears this or anything like that, I, you know, I apologise for hanging around his shop like a bad smell, but um, it was all kind of, it was kind of the, the whole record was just about a kind of worship of that time and um, maybe having something that kind of fit in a little bit with that. So um, the new track, yeah, it's just kind of, I guess, where we were in the moment, if you like. Mm. And the rest of the EP, and I love what, you, what you're doing here, and you talk about honouring those Hammer House and those the Hammer House as a as a shop and as a scene, if you like, because it really is what yeah. it was unto itself. Yeah, it was, Brandon. yeah, totally. And uh, Julie, Brad I think Julie. her name was. Yeah, that's, that's it. Right, and, yeah. But the Warhead label, now I've, I'm become mates with uh jay from uh demon Borgir and and uh Lord oh, Chaos, yeah. of course yeah. yeah so i recently had a conversation with him and sharing messages and stuff since but yeah, Nizul I just as well. to that one last week yeah that's a good one yeah i, I feel like as though uh we, his, his story's even got there's more depth to that as well yeah I think absolutely. it's so fascinating what what he achieved over there but Nazul with steve hughes's band as well that's something that's unreal that you've done that yeah Is that right. Is that I had Totem back in the day? Have you picked a song from that up from from there? Yeah, it's Totem, the the title mm. track. So yeah, nice. I mean, look, you know, they had a the Missoula guys, especially Lachlan back in the day, Lachlan Mitchell, who's the you know does a lot of keys, but um, him and uh, the I guess the bass player Live Adrian actually wrote and played most of the uh, the Totem album. You know, guitars, bass, everything, um, and they were you know good to us back in the day. Like Lachlan recorded a lot of our. Um, Stuff my, well, my former band did a track with him, Crucible of Agony, which kind of morphed into the Amenta. And um, Lachlan did our first EP and uh, first album too. And he's like a lot of the reason I got into audio engineering as well. So that's like, you know, we were massive fans of the band, but it's also a nod to those guys for, you know, being kind of, oh, I don't know, mentors or is that the right word? Or do you know what I mean? They were a big inspiration for us back in the yeah. day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Looking at you, we've met before. I know it. I can feel it. And I reckon I can pinpoint the moment. I was in, I was watching Destroyer 666 at Bexley at the Forest Inn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have been hanging around those days. I bought a Crucible of Agony cassette from you. (laughs) Yeah, I was like the fucking. Is that that right? Were you selling him? Yeah. Were you selling him that night? That was you. That's right. I I saw your face. It's like, because I don't forget a face. And. I thought, yeah, we're all sort of. It wasn't a big scene back then, so you no. and, and I haven't been. I haven't lived in Sydney for decades, so it's uh, when I see somebody from back then, I'm like, oh, it's you. Look where you've ended up. <laughs> yeah, no, I was always cruising around with a box of you know home dubbed uh, t- demo tapes and you know photocopied covers and stuff. Yeah, that was me for sure. That was a good tape, mate. I listened to that a fair bit. Oh, there you go. Actually, uh, one of our fans. Um, uh, of the the Amento, like uh, you know, we stay in contact with a fair bit. A fellow named Christian actually just bought a copy from someone on the internet and got it digitised. Um, so mm. yeah, like you know, paid a lot of money to get it done quite professionally, and then um, so he sent me a copy of that, and it was quite crazy to to listen to that and kind of think a bit back to those times. So yeah, there you go. You're a bit like me, and the ear hair was much longer back then, though. Yeah, um, <laughs> and a little bit less grey. <laughs> I can relate. Don't right. worry. 
But, but something else about the EP, though, so you're also covering prominent bands from that era too because it's not just about metal. Of course, that's, that's you know, centrifugal force, if you like. Sure. Diamond Gallus and, and Killing Joke, and I had a good chat to Tim about uh, Swans as well, so there's a bit of a relationship yep. there between Killing Joke and Swans, which I know I can definitely hear uh, through your music too. And, and Alice in Chains, I have listened to your cover there. of uh, What's the name of the tune you've covered by Alice? Angry Chair. There you go. Nailed it. You've, you've made it even oh, more great. depressing. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> definitely the aim. Oh, I mean, look, you know, we just wanted to get all of those songs and put them through our filter. And, you know, it's hmm. we kind of maybe take like a standard rock thing and then, you know, Tim obviously plays a big part in that with all the samples and effects and keys and stuff, but we just kind of wanted to take things and, and just kind of warp them even more. Um, so hopefully, you know, well, that's good that we've hit, hit the nail on the head with that one, uh, caught it, you know, to your ears. So, yeah, thanks. What What other bands and songs were considered? Oh, that's a tough one. Look, um... You know, the EP's a funny thing. How it all sort of started was just as a couple of bonus tracks for Revelator on the last, uh, you know, our last album. So mm. um, we actually tracked the drum, well, Dave tracked the drums for um, Angry Chair and the song uh, Rise by Halo, who are a noise band from Melbourne. We tracked them in the Revelator session. So this is, oh, man, maybe five, six years old, mm. maybe longer. I don't know. And they've just been sitting there doing nothing because really we just kind of, you're always pretty ambitious when it comes to the, the beginning of a, an album recording and then by the end of it, you know, like because we're all doing this in our home studios, trading files, and at that mm. point I was living away overseas too. So, um, you know, like we just nutted it down to the, the tracks that we knew would make it on the album and didn't record the rest. Um, so we had those two tracks and then at the, this, a lot of the tracking happened um, drum-wise during the kind of height of the COVID lockdowns because Dave was recording a few albums um, as he does uh, at the rehearsal studio that was around the corner from him or like he, his warehouse is at because he, he runs um, a merch company, Direct Merch. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, he would just be doing that. And I said, oh, look, I'll click something up really quickly. Do you reckon he could just do, you know, some quick drums to this? And it just kind of grew into this thing. We were just going to have these tracks lying around for bonus things. And it's just like, fuck it, why don't we just put together this um you know, it ended up being like this album length covers album with, you know, a couple of new bits and pieces. Mm. But I guess, you know, in terms of the other things I would have liked to have on it, I, I really liked um, Psychrist, uh, Embrace Rapture and Disgust and uh, Abysmal Fiend. That mm. would have been two I would have liked to have done. Uh, well, I mean, you, you know, and I think about Kane, his um, influences are kind of pretty different from the Perth scene. So he probably had a few sort of, you know, local bands or other bits and pieces he would have liked to have done. And his choice was actually the Diamond uh, Glass cover. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so we kind of all picked a few bits and pieces. And, um, yeah, like, for instance, Dave's was the Killing Joe cover. So, um, but, yeah, in terms of other other things, we could possibly never have stopped. Hmm. Did, was someone responsible for setting the tone? So, say for example, the Alice and Shane song was very different from the original recording. So, did you say come up with how you'd like that to sound and say to the other guys, "This is the direction I'd like to take it in"? Not really. No. Uh, to be really honest with you, it's not that sort of policed or intentional. Um, everyone just kind of does their parts, and I think you know, well, particularly Kane. Yeah, Kane, Tim, and I have been working on things now for. You know, that must be what, over, over 10 years. And Dave too, you know what I mean? And Dale's kind of, um, he's the bass player who's got on, on it too. He's with, he's 
was with us around the non-time permitted touring stuff. Mm. So no, everyone just kind of does their thing and it is what it is and it just kind of seems to sound like us in a yeah. weird way. Do you know what I mean? I, being a muso, yeah, I can definitely uh, relate because it's there's a dynamic, there's something that happens, chemistry, that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. reaching for that word. There's chemistry that occurs whether you like it or not. Yeah, good or bad, but there's, you know, certain things that, you know, are kind of like your your DNA that just kind of happen whether you intend it to be that way or not. You mentioned the group evolved out of Crucible of Agony. So are you the, the sole link between the two bands and then there was another band in between or what happened there? No, look, um, so it was me and another fellow named Aston um, uh, who was the vocalist at the time and I think despite us, I was trying to work this out the other day, despite us kind of naming a lineup on the demo tape, on the demo tape itself was just uh, Aston and I. And then I, my, um, oh, that's not true. No, it was a, a drum machine on the demo, but we actually had uh, a friend of ours, Mike, um, uh, ended up, was the drummer at the time, or was the drummer in the band. And he um, went to school with Tim. So uh, really it's like, you know, this is 20, Five plus years of uh, you know story, but um, mm. and essentially things. Tim and I ended up forming the Amenta with another guy who was, uh, oh, you know, I'm trying to think back. Another guitarist, uh, Ben, who was actually um, part of the original, or the, the original Crucible of Agony live lineup, and then this became the Amenta at some point for whatever reason. And so it wasn't kind of like a hard cut or something like this. It was just, mm. you know, drunk at a pub one night. We decided to change the name of the band for whatever reason. And it just kind of kept going and going and going. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's kept you motivated and, and interested in continuing to perform extreme metal? That's a good question. I mean, look, you go through sort of, you know, peaks and troughs with it. Um, it's certainly like, you know, by the, the time Flesh's Air came out, we was definitely a trough, you know. Um, for whatever reason, we packed it in a little bit or, you know, put it on pause. But I've got to be honest, it's kind of I don't know how not to do it, hmm. if that makes sense. Like, you know, like Absolutely. anyone who's – it doesn't matter if it's successful or, you know, like whatever that means, but it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like goes well or goes badly. I mean, I enjoy the creative process, especially with the guys, you know, like these are my mates for the best part of my life. Um, yeah. So I enjoy doing that. and. The result is the result, and if we get to go out and play some shows, that's good. Do you know what I mean? So it's more that it's, um, yeah, I have it for, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I reckon I stopped listening to metal for maybe a decade there, yeah, and uh, just put it to the side after about two thousand and two, maybe not long after Stuart left Cradle of Filth, I was you know, I had my bands and Morbid Angel and stuff. I think they're one of your I know Tim loves Morbid Angel as well. Oh, so same. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't change that much, but I ended up getting the French house and all sorts of other stuff, which I still find really interesting. But you don't get to interview those people. You you get to interview metal scene's very uh, organic and very friendly. Very friendly yeah. that way. And that's what that's what drew it's me fans. back in was yeah, exactly. It's fans making music for other fans, fans effectively yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah so was there ever a point though where you where you thought we really want to take this a bit further and maybe make it the thing kind of like what the guys in uh, psychroptic do well we gave, we definitely gave it a crack um because i mean we we did a few overseas tours uh you know month-long uh stints in europe and america and stuff mm. um 
Yeah, look, for us, uh, look, look, you know, we'd never experience the popularity of, you know, Psychroptic, um, you know, really have, you know, gone, uh, uh, then, you know, a few, definitely a few rungs above whatever we could possibly do. But we, um, you know, we definitely tried during the, um, I'd say, you know, oh, 2009 to 2012, 13, we were really going for it in terms of, the, you know, an international tour every, oh, I'd say, 12 to 18 months. Um, in between albums and stuff like that. Um, look, you know, just at a certain point, you just, um, the expense of doing that, if it's not, if you don't kind of, you know, go up that next tier, it's, it's kind of tough to, um, sustain, I would say. And look, it's not to say we wouldn't do it now. Um, that's now, you know, we'd probably approach it in a different way, but, um, we would definitely be keen to do things like that, but in a more concentrated form, you know, being away for, six to eight weeks and things like that maybe isn't as viable as like you're doing a few weeks sort of stints or things like this. Maybe that's um, something that we consider, but um, yeah, I think we're kind of, we've kind of found a good pace where we are, to be honest, you know, like creatively it's good for us to be able to do what we do in the home studio sort of thing. And we're just getting the live thing back together. So um, yeah, I think now things are rolling in a, in a, in a way where perhaps, you know, they hadn't been as, smooth before and now we're kind of hitting that point where we can kind of create our own material at home and do these things and then we've got the infrastructure around us now to do some tours maybe hopefully get on a few more you know like the emperor shows and things like this and also do it where we've got a headline uh run of shows coming up towards the end of the year too so um yeah i guess maybe we're building back up into more of a bit more activity there i don't know if that's answers your question but no, it does, it does really well. It leads to the next point, which is I feel as though the the band's stars on the rise. Do you feel the same? Oh, way? great. It's always tough to tell from this side. Um, you know, we, we kind of, yeah, look, I think what we're doing now, we're, how would you say, like I, I feel like it. we know who we are a bit more uh, and, you know, we've got a bit more identity in what we do and, you know, we're not trying to, do this to please anyone else or, or whatever, you know, and I think everyone creatively has got their own input and we, we, we work together a bit more. And I think the material shows that, especially from, you know, Revelator and now, you know, the, the new EP Plague of Locust, I think, you know, this, the second, uh, the second time round with the band, cause we did stop for a little while. Um, yeah. And I look, I hope that there's a bit more, or the hope that there is, um, the interest that we're seeing now online and, you know, we felt during the Emperor shows, you know, when we were coming back mm. to the live scene, um, keeps up because Revelator was actually, you know, this was a COVID album and uh, the, mm -hmm. it seemed to get a lot of interest, which was surprises to a degree. So, um, yeah, look, I hope so. Uh, but regardless, we'll just keep on keeping on, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that impression. Yeah, Did you sell a lot of merch at the Emperor shows? Yeah, it went pretty well, actually. You know, much more than we would have in one of our own shows. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, like you know, it went it went really well. So you know, we definitely felt like there was an interest in us, and it wasn't just something that people endured before Emperor came on, which was good. You know, because shows like that, especially playing in the nightside eclipse, so could really go yeah. either way. Yeah, that's so true, and we've all been there. We've endured bands that might be a mismatch or what have you, or maybe the band isn't feeling it, but then you've got a colossal outfit like Emperor that's going on. The last thing yeah. you want to have on beforehand is a band that can't quite, it's not about matching it because it's a very different thing, but it's about appealing to the audience. And you guys did that really well that night. That's good. I mean, we weren't actually sure, you know, we didn't, we didn't 
we're not a true black metal band by any stretch of the imagination, right? So um, it was good to get that reception uh, from from the fans, so like, you know, from the Emperor fans, mm-hmm. all the people that turned up for the show. So, yeah, it, it went far better than we could have imagined. We grew up in an era, though, where, and I knew people who were just death metal and then they didn't veer into black metal and all this sort of, that they had this, pigeonholed view of things and and even then there were there were some people who were just Floridian death metal bands and didn't want to get into the, to the <laughs> yeah, Swedish right. stuff or what have you because it was too pop. I even heard someone call In Flames Poppy when I was a kid and I was like holy shit like I don't know what the hell they're listening to but here we go <laughs> but I think I think we've arrived at a point though where metal is just metal it's extraordinary yeah. extra- even beyond that it's just extreme music and whether it's uh, Godflesh or Emperor or The Amenta, if you've got a, we're all listening to Spotify, I'm certainly listening to Spotify yeah. these days and it won't vary as much as I've just described there, but it wouldn't, I wish it would actually, Spotify would create an algorithm that had varied a little bit more so as I had a playlist that sounded like that without having to curate it myself personally. <laughs> but I, I've certainly spoken to enough people in around town these days, people just want to hear gnarly extreme music. I don't think people really have a view on yeah. black metal or death metal or, you know, just wanting to stick to that style. No, look, I, you know, I think if anything, the where the division is for whatever reason, um, it's like the deathcore sort of thing and then there's the sort of, you know, death metal and, and black metal and, and whatever happens on the other side. That seems to be the, the division I observe or the, the separation in the scenes if for, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I think there's really interesting stuff happening on both sides, but that seems to be where there's, you know, not much of the crossover despite the similarity in sounds. Yeah, you've touched on a really important point there because I do have a monthly radio, oh, monthly music show. I used to be on four, a broadcaster of 4 Z, but I just sort of oh, right. left left there and then carried on doing my monthly music show rather than doing it weekly. And I make a very strong point of playing a lot of deathcore and metalcore stuff. And yeah. some of it can sound quite poppy again, but I think, you know what, this is all guitar, bass, drums, amp, samples, very similar to in terms of approach, not methodology, but approaches to what you guys are doing. And I, that's what the music show is for, to explore different sounds and see whatever else is out there. Because Sharp Tone, you know, the subsidiary label to um, Nuclear Blast has got some, it's interesting is the point. And people yeah. need to give some of this stuff a go, I think, rather than just sort of saying all this young deathcore stuff is garbage, because it certainly isn't. No, absolutely not. I mean, there's there's some really creative stuff out there, like that last Humanity's Last Breath album. Mm. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Or you know, the last couple they've done and, and things like that. So you know, there's definitely it's not like it's uh, you know there's no art to it. That's absolutely not the case. So yeah, mm. that's it's great you're doing that. What about the the tour in December with Low? You're coming up here. Uh, I'll certainly be, I'll do my best to get along. I won't give it the kiss of death and say I will be there because that's when. It's big, kids have a performance on or something else happens <laughs> yeah, and right. stops you from going. But uh, I definitely intend to go to the show. There's no doubt. But uh, right. lower killer bands, that's a great line. I mean, you guys touring together, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I really like their last album, The Gleaners, and um, I don't know how it came about the suggestion for them, but w- Tim, Dale and I, the three guys who live in Sydney, went and caught their show in July. Whatever what was it, Crowbar in Sydney? Uh, man, they were amazing, absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that tour with those guys. Hopefully, you know, it'll be it'll go really well because, yeah, I think they're an amazing band. Mm. 
Will you be playing the the EP? Will you be playing the, the cover songs, many of them, during the shows? Oh, look, this is this is tough. Where it made me realise we have been around for a while because we were trying to work out our set list for this. And um, you know, if we play two songs from every release, we're over time. So um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, we're um, trying to keep things to like you know a 45, 50 minute sort of dimension. So look, um, we definitely will play one. Which one that is uh, is you know to be decided by arm wrestles and insults. I think at this point within the band. So. The loser buys the buys the next round. Yep, gotcha. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I meant to ask when I mentioned Lord Chaos, which tune are you covering? Uh, Crystal Lakes, the first one. Nice. Off Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Does yeah. Jamie know? Does Jamie know that you're doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent him a. <laughs> I sent him a, a copy of it, and he goes, "I don't know what to say about this." <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Um, but no, look, jokes aside, those guys. Um, I played both singer Jamie and guitarist Jamie, um, you know, have heard it and they were quite complimentary, which is, which is amazing. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. I mean, God, yeah. I used to sneak into, was it the Wentworthville Hotel uh, when I was 14, I think, with our old bass player, Nathan, and uh, I remember seeing, you know, playing to maybe 30 people. Uh, it was Grungeon, Lord Chaos and Psychrist, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to school? Did you grow up out that way, did you? And go to school out that yeah, way? Yeah, sort of um, North Parramatta way. Oh, yeah, I went to school out that way too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I used to go to the Hamber House. They were nice to me down there. They didn't, uh, I, used to, I used to go to King's, so I'll let you know that. So they, they didn't, uh, they thought it was a bit unusual, I think, as going in there, but we certainly would go in there, try, try to go in yeah, there in our right. civvies, but we weren't allowed out too much in our civvies, mate, as you're probably well aware. We used to have to wear yeah, a right. uniform everywhere. Yep. But um, I didn't go. I didn't start going to shows until well afterwards. Actually, uh, I went to occasional right. shows, but it just wasn't. It's a completely different environment if you're in a place like that, a school like that, which is all encompassing due to the sport and everything else. I just listen to the music. I try to explain to people. I think I formed a lot of my my opinions and views and things by listening to uh, Francis Leach and uh, Costa Zulio on the Three oh, Hours of Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. That was probably. I didn't have any money to buy CDs or anything. I did every holiday. I used to go and buy one CD. This yep. sort of this sort of thing, and um, but then after I left school, the whole world sort of opened up, and I got to got to listen finally by Testament albums and all this sort of stuff that I've been wanting to do for years. Yeah, right, nice one. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other topics or any subjects that you wanted to cover in regards to the band or the tour? No, look, um, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I can tell. You know, we're going to announce the rest of the bands uh, quite soon, but they're all being you know, sort of handpicked. By us too, so that I think hopefully everyone will see that the, the lineups are all pretty interesting and you know quite good and in keeping with the character of the mentor and, and low. Um, definitely come out to see us if you're in Adelaide at the Froth and Fury Fest. That would be, you know, that's that's going to be a real highlight for us this year too. So uh, that'll be great. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, love uh, love the last album as well. So. As I say, not pissing in your pocket, but I think the, the band star is on the ascendant and uh, hopefully you get more of those bigger tours which will open you up to even bigger audiences and, and the like. But, uh, mate, if I can get to it, look forward to seeing you at the show in December. Sounds good. Hope you enjoyed that one. A chat with Eric Mees from the Sydney outfit, The Amenta. There are many more conversations over at scarsandguitars.com and if you like listening, I know you like reading because I've written a book, you may be interested. Click on the link in the banner on the website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. 
download a sample. And if you complete the purchase, do hit me up because I want to thank you. Because I very much appreciate that you've taken the time and you are interested in, in what it is that I do here. Okay, my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. There's some more information to share with you about the book. So please stick around. But otherwise, it's a very good bye. Until next time. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.